This is the Cinepunks Podcast Collective. My name's Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 183 of Cinepunks. Cinepunks. Oh, man. We got two in this month, Liam. That's crazy. I mean, it's I normal. Know. It's actually normal and not crazy. Normal, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but no. It, us, well, here, here's a good comparison. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. But we asked someone who we don't know, right? But uh, who is friends with a past? Oh, I say friends is in a relationship with a past guest. Let's say that that'll keep it kind of mysterious. All right. Uh, but you, but you know who it, it was, yeah. and we we asked them to come on for Christmas time. And this person does a lot of podcasts. So I said an email, like, I know you might be busy or whatever, but if you're available, even just after Christmas, we could do like little Christmas, whatever. Would you like to come on? And they're like, you know, this is a busy time of year, but I really do want to make sure I come on. So why don't you go ahead and put me on the schedule for May? Ah. Josh, they said May. Yeah. And. Yeah. When I bring that up, I'm not making fun of them. I'm using this as a reminder of how other people live because we wanted someone to come on as a Christmas guest and we thought of it in November. And for us, we're like, no, we're getting ahead of the, we're, we're ahead of the curve. We're a yeah. full month out of Christmas month. We're a full month out. And that's not how other people work. <laughs> ah, yeah. Yay. Yeah. And it's like that for lots of things. Like someone was telling me that they were working on their band's fall tour now and i'm like isn't it a little late and they're like no 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 for next year and i was like what are you talking about like i could <laughs> scheduling out for fall next 2024 yeah yeah uh, man a lot of, that's where people are at and i'm like yeah. yo man i don't know what's happening after thanksgiving <laughs> yeah dude no that's i mean like and granted this is a thing right that we should be better at i know for a fact that i myself should be better at this and I've been working on it, Liam. I've been working on it. I'm not, you know, still I, not no, good. I, I understand. Your boy's on his way. You know what I'm saying? Um, that said, yo, man, <laughs> May. I know. That's, I mean, don't be wrong. We're gonna, we're gonna. Oh yeah, jump we're gonna do a Christmas great, episode great, in May. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, no, this is they. They wrote a different book that we're gonna support. Oh. That'll also be good. I'll tell you about it later. But the point is. We'll agree to May, and I'm sure it'll be fine, but it's just funny because it's like a reminder that people who are actually like busy professional types, like not that he's booked solid till May, but more like, hey, right now's not good. How about in May as just like a, that'll be good for me. It'll probably be good for you. And for me, it's like May doesn't even exist yet. Like it's not like I'm like, that's not real. That might not happen. A full half year out. I know. I know, man. Again, intense, not to, man. I'm not making fun of them. I'm just pointing out for us. And the thing that people know, we've talked about scheduling stuff, especially if you listen to Lunch with Liam, we've talked about this. But the only difference between me and Josh really was scheduling was that for a while, you were agnostic about the idea that other people scheduled further out. Yeah. So that was our only, now that we're on the same page that other people do schedule further out, that doesn't mean suddenly I get to unleash my magical powers of scheduling. I'm also bad at scheduling. I was just more aware of that to say, no, I think some people plan like a month out. Like, I think that is a thing that happens. And you're like, no, it doesn't. No, it's it not does a that. thing. That's not like, real. No, I think they do. I'm, I'm not saying we'll be good at that, but that is a thing that happens. I think that it's real. people do. Yeah. yeah. No, you're not wrong. So, Josh, yeah. what are we talking about on this episode? On this episode, we're talking about two movies that share a name. Mm hmm. Talking about the documentary and the feature film, Next Goal Wins. 
Yep. Uh, the documentary is from 2014. Uh-huh. I forget the names of the people who made it. And uh, the, <laughs> the the feature film just came out, directed by Taika Waititi, uh, with a bunch of familiar faces in it uh, that you might know from his other movies, as well as uh, Michael Fassbender. Oh, yeah. Um, Another so- side of Michael Fassbender, too. Mm-hmm. Non-Magneto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll go. we'll be we'll be talking we'll we'll be talking about each of those individually and also sort of comparing them uh, and the sort of relationship between them. We're going to get into all that, but before we do, Josh, we gotta. I think we gotta thank some people. Who who do we need to thank? We definitely have to thank the subscribers on Patreon. Thank you, patrons, for giving us your hard earned money. It's part of what keeps our entire Cinepunks machine afloat. And we wouldn't be able to do this without you. So thank you so much. Hopefully you're enjoying all the exclusive Patreon content. Um, that being Lunch with Liam, uh, which we haven't recorded in a minute. So we'll, we'll get to it soon. I know. I know. There's, there's also a show that me and Adriana do that I'm hoping to do with other people too. And I, and I pitched that in the Discord and people were excited about it. But then I didn't follow through to like do it. So the idea with this thing is that it's definitely a... Um, oh, I think... My my wife and my daughter are singing happy birthday to my sister-in-law on the phone right now, and I can hear it. Um, uh, the, the idea of the show, for people who aren't on Patreon, me and Adriana figured out their show where we each pick five songs that follow a certain pattern for the other person to hear. And we, we try to make sure that they're songs the other person doesn't know. And then we sort of talk about the choices. It's like, a, it's like, a, so we called it the exchange as a way. It's like a, it's like a way to share music with someone and, and share music with the audience. And so the reason we pick such a sort of strict pattern to it is like anyone can do it. You can plug in any Cinepunks people. So like, mm. I don't need to be there. Adriana doesn't need to be there. I'm going to do the next one, hopefully with someone just to sort of like help them understand sort of the process. But like eventually I'm hoping any two Cinepunks people could just get on a recording and do it without any coordination from us. You know, you know what I mean? Ah, and so that's that pretty cool. I'm hoping we'll produce more content. So we're, we're getting that machine going, but it, it needs a little, it, the, uh, we got to prime the pump a little bit to get it going. Right. So no, but it will no. be soon, but thank you all for your support. Uh, of course, we also want to thank our friends over at Lehigh Valley apparel creations. Uh, they do screen printing guys. And the thing about working with LVAC, uh, which you can find at xlvacx.com, uh, is that a lot of places where you can get the quality of work, that you get from LVAC, you're either dealing with uh, ridiculous prices, just paying out the nose, or or possibly also people who um, are not fun to work with, that are very yeah. informal, that aren't willing to work with you, who will just print whatever you send them, even if they know it's not going to work. Gonna work. Yeah. LVAC will work with you. They'll help you figure out your art. They can even make art for you if you have something you're trying to base it on. Um, they'll help you figure out what garments to print on to get the best quality and the best price. And they're just fun people to work with. So xlvacx.com. We love them. We love Chris Reject. Check it out. Uh, who else do we need to thank, Josh? We need to thank our friend Aaron Dahlbeck and the good peoples at Essex Coffee Roasters. If you, like us, enjoy a lovely cup of coffee, Aaron's the man to get you there. You know what I'm saying? So they have beautiful teas. They have beautiful coffees roasted. Um, you know, they're roasted specifically to particular flavors and palates. And, um, you know, all the shit is good, man. So uh, uh, hit them up at, at EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. And when you check out, you can put C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X in your um, discount bar coupon code and enjoy 10% off of your entire order. 
That is correct. Uh, of course, we also want to thank our friend Sharky at Mechanical Shark Media for making this episode and all our episodes sound less bad uh, and possibly even good, though, <laughs> to be fair, he's not working with very good material here, but he does the best he can, yeah. and we appreciate him for it. And of course, do me a favor, check out roughcutfanclub.com. That's my t-shirt company. Um, check it out. Hopefully, we have something new up. If not, just buy some old stuff, whatever. All the Mandy stuff is on sale. So if you nice. like the movie Mandy, get some Mandy stuff. It's all cheaper. That long sleeve is, is fire. It is. The I Mandy like the long sleeve. Mad fire. Yep. Yeah. And then, um, oh, and then we, uh, uh they're, they're, yeah, right now, typically right after that part, there's the, yeah, uh, we do the thing, the thing about uh, the thing where we talk about the thing. Yeah. Where it's like, whack it whack on track. On track! harmonized that's pretty good so good all right josh you want to go first because i forget what i was going to talk about <laughs> all right yeah 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 so uh whack genocide yeah i'm um, with you on that yeah on track let me think it's been a pretty on track week man i had my birthday on friday i'm now yes happy birthday officially, thank you liam i am now officially 46 years old mm-hmm, mm-hmm. old as shit dog what the f- 46? Are you serious? Are you kidding me? I mean, you're ancient. You you would uh, you would at a different time, you would you would be in support of the Vietnam War, right? That's what the, I'm told about old people. The lament on my face is very obvious to all who see it. <laughs> which is why it's a good thing that this is an audio only podcast. So uh yeah, dogs, I don't know, man. Like at midnight, you know. My AARP card arrived just through our chimney. We don't have a chimney, but it came through a vent or something. And then, um, yeah, it was pretty, you know, um, a walker has taken the place of my sweet single speed Kona bike. You know, I don't know what's going on, man. It's it's a bunch of weird shit happening right now, Liam. It's cool. But um, yeah, I had my birthday. It was fun. Um, The very first thing that I did the following day on the 18th of November, um, I played a show with my band Hard Turf. Oh, sure. our our drummer Warren or the War Dog, he um lives in San Francisco. So the navigations for us to play shows has to be a highly motivated and B, it can only be a couple times a year. So we're actually very fortunate to have played this is our third show this year. Wow. Which is pretty crazy given that, you know, in February we played with Gorilla Biscuits and then about a month and a half ago we played with Darkbuster and Noise and then this time we played with uh, a bunch of hardcore bands uh, including Freight Train and Punishment and um, it was for, um, there was a charitable organization, the Everywhere Project that was um that helps and supports things like harm reduction and sure, just support yeah. for lower income uh families in like the Port Richmond, Bridesburg, like that area of town, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um it was a fun gig, man. Like just you know, here's the thing, man. Like nobody does a band to be stress free. That's just part of the reality is if you're doing a band, there is going to be an element of that that's going to bum you out, that's going to make you stressed, that's going to make you be like anxious about things, right? It's all worth it when I look over that drum kit and I see the war dog back there. And then, you know, I got Scotty and Pete and um, Swisher doing the thing with me. And I, I just I love playing bass in a hardcore band. Okay. I just, you know, I, like I love it. Just feel it standing between uh, 810 bass cabinet and, you know, my Ampeg SVT 350. And uh, but standing between that and my Fender P bass, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm in my element and that I'm delivering the goods on like some of the best art that's in me 
You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's like, I know it's corny, and I know that, you know, people are like, it's fucking hardcore. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, it's hardcore. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a lot of crunchy, crunchy, like chug-a-chug. But um, I grew up loving it, and I still love it to this day, so I'm going to mm-hmm. keep on doing it until my fingers fall off. So um, that was a really fun show, and it felt really cool to play it box in our neighborhood. Oh, you yeah, know what I mean? box. How yeah. was that? It was in the back room, which is like a little, like, bar area, but they, like clear it out for shows and stuff and um it was a really fun time had a great had a i i think we played pretty well you know what i mean for a band that like again can't practice every week you know what i mean because warren lives in san francisco so um you know it was just a lot but it was super fun and uh i think we did well kids moshed when we played which is also like what is going on you know what i mean yeah. and um it was it was a really fun gig you know what i mean it was it, it felt awesome to play and then um another thing that i did was i watched the new disney movie that being Wish. Oh, you saw Wish. Okay. Tell yeah, me. Yeah, I that. saw it yesterday. Um, it is basically a basket of Easter eggs. Okay. Referencing everything in the Disney oeuvre from day one. Okay. So every single thing is a reference to a thing. And it's like, you know, the story is um there's this like Lord of this land and he, uh, people willingly give them his, their, their hopes and dreams and he stores them for safekeeping. But then he realizes that, you know, he can corrupt them and use them to gain more power. And then people are losing their dreams and their hopes. And then this, uh, young girl gives a, makes a wish and a a star comes down from the heavens. Mm -hmm. And together with this star, she is able to redeem everybody who's lost their wishes and further like battle of this tyrant now who says he's protecting people's wishes, but is actually using them to gain more power personally. And uh, it's got a strong anti-capital vibe. You know what I mean? Like all the bad guys are illuminated green, you know, like there's like a bunch of like this kind of narrative, which is a little bit difficult to take from a company like Disney because, you know, they're basically printing their own money at this point. You know what I mean? So it's like kind of odd to see them preaching this anti-capitalist like rhetoric, you know, but I mean, I guess in its purest sense, like the enjoyment of these things are kind of bereft of social caste. And I mean, you know, they speak to a lot of like downtrodden peoples, you know what I mean? You can't watch a movie like Robin hood or you can't watch a movie like Cinderella and not know that there's a very strong class consciousness there. You know what I mean? So it's like, I mean, it's in there and I I get it, you know, but also it just feels a little bit hypocritical. Uh, That said, this movie is basically the cinematic equivalent of the Leonardo DiCaprio meme from Once Upon, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's basically oh, sure, it's yeah, just yeah, a lot yeah, of putting yeah. it like, oh, God, yeah, that's the thing. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm, it's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Uh, one of the standout voice actors is Mr. Alan Tudyk, who plays the voice of the baby goat. Uh, and it's pretty funny. I got saw, saw that in the trailer was pretty st- excited about it. Quite good. He is very, very funny in this movie. Like it's it's. It's a crowd-pleasing popcorn muncher for sure. Um, If you're in a Disney adult kind of space, which again, no judgment from us. Lord knows people have cinematic proclivities that we all scoff at from time to time, but I'm not here to get on the pylon. Love what you love, dogs. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But if you are the type of adult that enjoys Disney without the uh, presence of children, you know what I mean? If you're that Disney adult, this is the movie for you. So get in with both feet and enjoy the ride. And that's all I got. All right. Well, you know, I came in a little flustered. I was in the city. This is we're recording you guys the week of Thanksgiving. And, you know, before um, 
we were going to record. I had all these things in mind, Josh, I wanted to talk about. But today, uh, because so one of the things that's weird is it being the week of Thanksgiving, Maeve is just off all week. Just Mm -hmm. has no school this week, which I don't know. Did you ever have that experience? For me, Thanksgiving week was not like off from school week, right? No, it was like you got off for Thursday and Thanksgiving and then that Friday. So it's a four day weekend. Right. You know? I think, I think it's be- because they're doing like conferences or whatever, like parent teacher conferences. And I get that it's useful for that, but it is weird to be like, Oh wait, what am I going to do all week? So we had the idea to take Maeve to this thing um, called camp. Uh, I think it's actually called camp X doodle, uh, which I think means, you know, uh, versus or combined with or collab with or whatever. But uh, from what I understand, this is like a, kind of interactive toy store that I think originally is from New York, but now they have them popping up all over the country. And the toy store is just sort of like a bougie, fancy toy store that also has like a, a slime area where you can make slime and a craft room where they have special craft events. And to be fair, some of the craft things look pretty cool, but then you can pay for this like interactive experience. Uh, it's pretty expensive, honestly. Uh, and then you you pay for this thing, and they make it look. If you've seen it on TikTok, I, that's where I saw it. They, there are a lot of ads on on TikTok and Instagram for this thing, and they like push open this whole wall, and there's this whole very colorful, very cartoon illustrated interactive experience. Uh, it involves like a wristband, and you get to make an avatar called a doodle, and you play little games and stuff, and try to find these things to put to your doodle. Uh, it is conceptually very cool um in execution is a little rough there's a few things that didn't work mm-hmm. someone uh a kid peed in the ball pit so the ball pit what? was closed oh no yeah there was a there's it's you know it's it was fun it was a great experience for mavers but like if you are in chicago or if you're thinking about hitting the one i think there's one in new york and i think there's one maybe in la just think about the if the cost is worth it to you because it, to me afterwards i felt a little bit like a little wrung out by it you know mm, but yeah. we went a little later in the day because the earlier show or earlier tickets had been sold out so i had to rush back here for recording and also may have had stuff going on too and so i just came in like what did, what do i what was i even going to talk about my brain is just like fucking empty now um we we didn't the last time we recorded josh did we talk about killers of the flower moon we have not. Did you see it? I saw it. Well, did you see it? I have not seen it yet. No. Okay. So I went to go see it. Basically, I found a theater that was showing it earlier in the day. So I wouldn't feel like my whole you spent the whole day doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the theater I went to was a theater that does like food and has like um, super comfy seats, like ridiculously comfy seats. So I wanted actually to try to see it in a larger format, like an IMAX or a laser or whatever. Uh, but there was no convenient times for those, you know, and, and you guys know, like as, as a parent, it's like a whole production to see a movie at night. I got to get babysitters and stuff. It's like a whole thing. So went and did this and, you know, $10 matinee is hard to argue with. Right. It's like, okay, this is fine. You know, whatever I got to say, I liked it. And I know there's a lot of pushback on this thing because it is a movie telling a, uh native, native story. slash indigenous story uh made by martin scorsese so the, i you know there's some amount of skepticism and i don't think that's entirely justified or if it is it's 
justified in a, about a larger question. So for the story itself, it is very embedded in the Osage community, but it's not really about them primarily. It's more about the awful people who try to take advantage of them, right? Mm. And about the various ways they tried to do that and were mostly successful, though some people did get in trouble eventually, though the movie doesn't get to the part really... I guess it does a little bit, but it doesn't get quite into the details of how much um, they were able to still evade. Even though they were prosecuted, they were able to still evade responsibility for the most part. You know, Um, Mm. I will say if I was going to criticize it, the larger meta criticism for me is not about the movie. It's a reality that there should just be more indigenous stories stories out there. So like it's easy to come at Martin Scorsese, but you know, he picked a story that was already related to his to a community and was about soulless monsters. And I know we don't realize this all the time, but about half Scorsese's movies are about soulless monsters. It doesn't yeah. matter that you like Taxi Driver, you like the guys in Mean Streets, you mm-hmm. like the characters in Goodfellas. These are bad people. Scorsese, not exclusively, he makes movies about people he likes too. Mm-hmm. But Wolf of Wall Street is a movie about shitty people goodfellas is a movie about shitty people you know what i mean like this Mm. idea that like oh well he just glorifies these people i just think that folks are not watching these fucking movies even like or just getting taking the weird things away from it you know what i mean like who watches a movie like king of comedy and is like yo that's my dude right i I, it's like you know people the irishman is this that it's like i he makes these movies about these very broken people and then folks don't whatever so this is supposed to be about that i will say though that's my defense of scorsese i will say as a viewer i think the leonardo dicaprio character is a little too sympathetic he's not fully sympathetic he's still ultimately a bad guy but i get the vibe from what i've read though i haven't read the book i've read articles about it um um about not just about the movie i mean but about the incident it's not clear to me that the real life person though he is an idiot the way that Leonardo DiCaprio uh, is an idiot in the movie. Um, It's not clear to me that he was so stupid that he wasn't fully aware of what was happening. And it's not that, again, I don't want to misrepresent the movie. You are led to believe that DiCaprio is, DiCaprio's character is to some sense responsible and that you should not like him. But he's also still a little sympathetic. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a combo of the two. And I don't know in real life if that would be true or not. You know what I'm saying? And so I I think that's my one thing that, like, kind of bummed me out about the movie. And I think just as a narrative, we had spent more time uh, with Molly, played by Lily Gladstone. I think that would have been good. I get that that's not everything the movie's about. Like, the movie really is about uh Ernst uh, Ernest Burkhart's relationship with uh William King Hale. Uh and De Niro, people said, oh De Niro is, you know, this, that, and the other. From what I can tell, De Niro's really is just playing the character. And he really shows how the character is like really a monster. Like was that this dude was a monster. And that's that's what comes across, right? Okay. Uh, yeah. Um and I think that's really strong. But she starts off as a really strong, really present part of the story. And then as she physically is diminishing, they diminish her in the narrative. And I think that that is not a bad choice, but I just think the movie would be better with more of her because I just found her performance just incredible. And I wanted more of that character. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. On a larger scale though, the fact that this is not 
a primarily Osage story is fine. I mm. don't think he should be punished for that. I think there should be more stories from indigenous perspectives. And it bums me out that Scorsese can get the money to make this fucking bloated ass movie. And like the creators of Reservoir Dogs can't get that kind of money or not reservation dogs can't get that kind of money to make a job. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't appreciate the economics of it, but I don't think that makes the movie bad. I think the movie actually does a pretty good job of telling a true story uh, and really showing the angles of it. And the idea that somehow the movie is flawed, I don't think is fair. Um, I will say though, if you're like, well, I'm just not going to go see it because it's too long. It is a long movie. I had to take two Mm. pee breaks and you know, I didn't want to miss anything. So these are running pee breaks so I can get back. And that's Mm. a lot, man. That's a lot for me to be running full speed to the bathroom to pee and come back, you know? Yeah, for sure. Still it's, I think it's really strong. I think, um, if we were living in a different time, I think it would get overpraised because Mm. at a different time, everyone would just be so impressed by like the, the, uh, you know, obviously the directing and the, and the, um, cinematography is amazing but also Mm. like the set design the costume work like there's just so much artistic detail to this movie that i think people would be blown away by that and no one would be asking the critical questions Mm. but we're in a different time where people are having critical questions i will say i listened to a podcast talking about this and it was just scholars it was no film critics it was just scholars of indigenous stuff and not only did they have nothing good to say about the movie their final solution to this question of representation was well just don't go see movies because they're all bad and i'm like that's not real yeah that's not the take either yeah no yeah it was pretty stupid and it really shows that like just because you know this is something i've noticed you know this josh that like i was for a while very much involved in the academic community because that's where i thought i was going to go and i stay connected to a bunch of people and i'm not as sort of involved in that world now but i remember thinking a lot of times that people who are very smart and had expertise in a certain area thought that those expertise applied everywhere. So like, Mm. because they knew a lot about philosophy, they would also be good at understanding movies. That's not necessarily true. You know what I mean? Like different muscles, man. And we, and and we know that, like I know a good chunk about movies, not as much as other people we know and love, but I know more than a lot of people. I know a good chunk about music. I don't know anything about dance as an artistic form, right? I think Mm. dance seems incredible and I like watching it, but I don't know anything about it. And if someone wanted to come along and say, well, the thing about dance and then give me this whole theory, I would just have to take their word for it, man. I don't fucking know. And to see these academics be like, well, this is what it is about movies. Well, no, this is what it is about the subject, you know, right. But it's, that doesn't make it a, a take on movies as a whole. Um, so I, I uh, anyways, I, I don't want to go on too long about it. I think it's good. I recommend people see it if they're interested in seeing it. I think that I'm surprised it's not getting overblown because I really do think it's the sort of movie that people would get overly jazzed about. But I, I think it's only because th- there's so much discussion about the topic itself. You know, like, mm-hmm. should this movie even exist? That people are not as much getting obsessed with, like, the accomplishment of the movie, which I think is solid, is very, very good. Um, but it doesn't replace any of my favorite Scorsese movies, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense, man. Totally does. Um, as far as other movies, I haven't really had a chance to see a ton. I did see um, uh, a movie called Suitable Flesh. Do you know about this movie? I do not. It has um, uh, oh my my brain just went away. Uh, Reanimator. Oh, Brian Yuzna or uh, Jeffrey Combs. No, I gave her a ride in my car. 
uh, Barbara Crampton. Thank you. It had Barbara. It has Barbara Crampton in it. <laughs> People should be yelling at me right now. Like, how do you not remember? It, guys. It's not. It's not a. Uh, it's not a like. Oh, she's not worth remembering. It's like my brain was just like no. And so, oh, anyway. so much uh, weed, Liam. So much weed. I do smoke a lot of weed. Yeah. Uh, Barbara down, Crampton. Man. Oh, and Heather Graham, uh, directed by Joe Lynch. Oh, you know, I heard about this movie. Is it on Shutter? Yes, yes, it is on Shutter. Right. I thought it was pretty good. It's definitely um a low budge. You know what I mean? Like it's not like a high production quality uh, ordeal. But I really liked it. I thought it was really good. I thought it was kind of upsetting. Uh, I don't know. It works. I you know I'm kind of a medium Joe Lynch fan. You know what I mean? Like I like a lot of his movies, but I'm not like blown away by his movies. Mm. But I like them. And so this is just another one where I was like. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know if I'd put it on my top horror movies of the year list or not, although I haven't seen a ton of new horror this year, so it might make it onto a list, but it's mm. not, like, amazing. But I thought it was really, really strong. Um, but that's about it. You know, those two are about it. I haven't really had a chance to see a lot else, which is a bit of a disappointment. I have been mm. watching a lot of TV. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I did see one other thing. I saw The Marvels with Suze. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, man. Um, it's almost good. It's so frustrating how almost good it is uh, because here's the thing. Um, our three main characters, right? Uh, they're good, right? They are just the, the chemistry's there and you know, the, the relationship is there, which is like, that's not easy to get, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I will echo a lot of people and say, in a way, it's really Imani Vellani's movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, who plays Miss Miss Marvel? Which who, we still haven't seen that either. Oh, you need to watch that first. That's it. Yeah. You got to watch Miss Marvel. It is one of my favorite Marvel projects. It might be my favorite Marvel project, honestly. Well, I don't know. Loki might have just beat it, but um, it's really great. She's really great in the movie. She's really great, and her. Uh, chemistry with Tiona Paris and Brie Larson is really strong. And it was nice to see Samuel L. Jackson in it as Nick Fury because secret wars sucked. And Mm -hmm. so seeing him be Nick Fury and it be good again was like, okay, cool. You know, it was sort of like a nice little palate cleanser. Right. Um, But the movie overall is not great. And that's the problem. It's, you know, there was a lot of basically Nia DaCosta finished a movie. They tested it. And it didn't test as well as they wanted. So then they went back and did a bunch of edits and reshoots without her. She was already working on a new movie. Uh, so they just did it without her. And I got to say, the pacing is off. Uh, the villain is nothing. Like, it, it's, it's a cool idea, but it's nothing. Like, she is nothing. Like the, and I'm not saying the performance is bad. I'm saying, like, there's no character there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the setup is very weak. It's not always clear why things are happening the way they're happening. Um, And then at the end, there's a moment that should have exploded the internet, which I won't spoil here. But there's a post-credit scene that if anyone had gone to see this fucking movie, people would be losing their minds. They'd be ripping their shirts off right now. But the movie, no one saw the movie. So they don't, no one's talking about this post-credit scene. And the way that we got to that post-credit scene feels very forced, right? Uh, And that's the problem, is that the whole final act of the, not the whole final act, but a lot of the final act feels like we got to set up for the next things that we're doing. And that's not what this new movie needed. And what's more, because the movie did badly and because the movie's not great, I'm not going to get more of the part that I liked, 
which was these three women working together. Like we're probably never going to get, you know, Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel and Photon, although she's not going by that name, but you know, that character, uh, we're probably never going to see them work together again because the movie didn't make a ton of money and it's not a great movie. So it's getting negative reviews. You know what I mean? Like I'm never going to see that dynamic again. And that dynamic was great. Like that's what I want more of. And so I, that part, knowing that made me really frustrated to be like, fuck, it feels like this was like a waste that they really should have spent a little more time on this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's still, nice. it's not terrible. Uh, in some ways I liked it better than say love and thunder. Right. Mm. In other ways, I liked it a little less. I would say this is, this is the thing. Some of the humor in Thor love and thunder was not great. Some mm. of it was great, but some of it was not great. In this movie, the humor is the best part. It's the first Marvel movie where I'm like, oh, this works. All these jokes work. This is really funny. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like in getting all the chemistry and the humor funny, they like fucked up the narrative somehow. It's like it's just the story doesn't work. And it's a a bum out. It's a real bum out. So, again, if you're someone who like is just already into Marvel, so you're probably going to see it anyway see it. I wouldn't tell anyone not to, you know, I, 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 there are definitely Marvel things I would say avoid. This is not one of those things, you know, mm-hmm. that being said, if you're like, ah, I kind of bummed me out. I get it. Cause that's how I felt leaving is that it was a great, it was a missed opportunity in a, in a way, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that sucks right now because conceptually I like a lot of the ideas of where Marvel is going, but they've shit the bed so hard. I don't think we're going to get the, culmination you know there's the a, other things yeah yeah, we're not going to get the culmination of any of these things that they're hinting at and so it's like it's all waste because it's just not going to happen so mm. uh i guess that's it i was going to say the reason i thought of the marvels is because i also finished loki i as much as i think marvel is kind of shit the bed overall loki is not one of those places both seasons of loki are magical i think mm. they're basically perfect uh it's it's one of the best things in the marvel universe um I oh, like season one. I didn't watch season two yet. Oh, it's I really, really like it. I think it's really, wow. really good. And the way it ended again, well, what happened is the way it ends is also a setup for another thing, uh-huh. but it's so consistent with the show that it didn't feel cheap. And that's the difference, right? Marvel has two the Marvels has two really good setups in the Marvels that feel cheap and unearned. Even though they mm. hint at good things in the future, they feel shoehorned in right? The end of Loki is also a setup, but it's not going to be clear to anyone who doesn't know the comics. They're not going to know it's a setup. And it feels like the logical climax of the narrative. So it's okay. You know what I mean? So Mm. anyways, I'm going on and on about this and I don't need to (laughs) watch Loki, wait for the Marvels to be free. That's all I got. All right. Well, after the break, we're going to talk about two movies that come by the same name. Next goal wins. The first one being the 2014 documentary about the American Samoan team of uh, FIFA, uh, which is an acronym for soccer uh, thing, you know, World yeah. Cup. And um, it's sports, Liam, you know. And then we're talking about the 2023 movie by, directed by Taiko Atiti that was inspired by the documentary. After the break. <laughs> Oh, 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 
And we're back. And we're here to talk about two movies by the same name. Next goal wins. Um, the first being a documentary mm-hmm. about the American Samoan football team. Um, yeah. What is the name of the team? It was, did they, they didn't have a name. It's just American. No, it's just America, the American Samoan team. Cause it's yeah. their national team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they and play as their own sort of like nation. They don't just play as like a part of, even though they are a territory of America, like Puerto Rico, they play as their own team. Yeah. And then we're talking about the fictionalized narrative of it, directed by Taika Waititi. That was released in 2023. Do you, now, do you want to talk about them simultaneously? Do you want to start with one or the other? And also, you pick these. Do you want to talk at all about why you pick them or anything like that? Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny, man. Like, I don't know if I really enjoyed the Taika Waititi movie until after I saw the documentary, which to me makes me think maybe it's not as good a movie as it was when I saw it. Okay. Okay. My first instinct when I saw it was like celebratory, right? Like, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, This is a heartwarmer. You know what I mean? Like it was definitely a Taika Waititi movie. Like if you're a fan of Taika, right? Like you're talking boy, you know, you're talking hunt for the wilder people. You're talking Jojo rabbit. You know, you're talking about these movies that like there's actual dire straits and everything. They're like real, uh, redemptions and ramifications with all the action in the movie. There's like agency to all the parts. Right. But the general nascent feeling that most people get from these movies is like a hug, you know, like a bittersweet warm hug. And this movie is in line with that. Mm. But, um, Afterwards, I kind of felt like a little bit like, you know, after the initial like um, joy. Sure. Yeah. Of first viewing, like dissipated a little bit. And I got to thinking about it a little bit more critically. I definitely came to a point where I'm like, we didn't really spend a lot of time with any of the characters outside of Fassbender. Right. Yes. You know what I mean? And so you don't really get any of these other motivations you know, and other like things like this, like for these main characters that don't just feature like partially like their main players in this storyline. You know what I mean? Um, and that's why having watched the documentary afterwards, it gives a little bit more complete picture to the individual parts. That yeah, make up definitely. Definitely. The whole, the whole thing. So I might have to scale back my enthusiasm for the movie just a little bit, given the caveat that it didn't really click for me until after I watched the documentary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, uh, for those people, you know, some people do listen who haven't seen either one of these things. I, I you know, let's actually start with the fictional film and the, okay. the fictional film only, I only want to do that, Josh, cause I want to explain the plot. So then people will understand my reaction. So mm. in the fictional film, what we have is a team in America, Samoa that is, unable to win and that is factually true that they had one of the worst defeats in the history of fifa to australia where they let go 2001 where they 2001 they they lost by they 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 gave away 31 points without scoring a single goal and in fact since they began as a team up to 2014 they had never scored a goal not even once in all of fifa soccer and you know american samo is a very small place and in the movie, you really get a very comical view of American Samoa, a uh, very like silly kind of like self-deprecating view of life there. Um, 
And they are desperate to try to at least score a goal in a game. And so they get this coach to come. And the coach is played by Michael Fassbender. And the coach is someone who is on the edge. He's got an anger problem. He's caused problems everywhere he goes. He's estranged from his wife. His daughter passed away and he won't talk about it. And the movie does something that I think is worth mentioning in that it tries to upend the white savior mythos in that Mm. he comes, he does everything he can to like turn the team around. And then during the game, he suddenly realizes that he is broken and that there's something wrong with him and that actually they're fine. Like he's given them skills they didn't have, but there's nothing essentially wrong with them. And so he is transformed by their love of life. And he finally acknowledges the death of his daughter and he's happier and his happiness transfers to them being more successful and they win the game. And granted, they don't go on then to become amazing soccer players, but they've since then never been in last place ever again. Now, The first time I saw this, Josh, I didn't like it a whole lot. It felt a little cheap to me. And there was something about the ending of it that I thought didn't quite work. And my suspicion was that while he did take away this this idea, this trope of the white savior coming to help the the people who need it, you know, like a weird sort of cool runnings vibe, right? Yeah. he did. He does do that because we do spend a lot of time with Fassbender. We do see how broken he is and how unhealthy he is. And we do see that he is changed. However, there's another trope, Josh, that trope uh-huh. being the magical not white person. You know, it's usually for black people, but we can use it for all kinds of other people where broken white people interact with not white people and suddenly they're not being white fixes the broken white person, right? This uh-huh. is also a trope. It's another very active, very, in my mind, more positive, but still dehumanizing trope in narratives. And while Watiti, <laughs> I think Taika Watiti goes out of his way to deconstruct the one, I think he unintentionally creates the other. And he does that because in order for us to understand Fassbender's character, we spend so much time with him that we don't get anything from the team. We get a little bit with Jaya, who is, by the way, who the movie should have been about. The yeah. first non-binary uh, or trans, trans player, you know, yeah. player to ever play, to ever start a FIFA game. That's amazing. That's a story. But that's the secondary story because we focus so much on Fassbender that I think most audiences are thinking, oh, this is a movie about him. And then you find out it kind of is, but it's it's not a movie about him being great. It's a movie about how much he sucks yeah, and, he, and what he learns. Yeah, 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 what yeah. he learns from them. And because we're so focused on Fassbender, we don't get enough of the rest of the team. Like yeah. they're they're memorable for their jokes. Like one guy is fat, you know, and mm, one guy really good, one guy yeah, can yeah. kick good. Another guy slide tackles too much. But we don't get enough of them as people to understand them as humans, and that makes it a movie in the other direction where it's about these, you know, goofy, charming, but not really humanized uh Polynesian people fix this broken white man. Mm. What the documentary did is help me realize how fucked that is. Because here's the big reveal, y'all, and why I started with the fiction movie. All that shit is made up. (laughs) Thomas Rungan, though he did have an anger problem, yes, he was an angry coach, and he learns to be slightly less angry. He's not estranged from his wife. She's with him in the documentary. His daughter died eight years ago, and he seems to be doing pretty good about it. And the most important thing to me is, uh, while he uh, is hard on everybody he does not dead name the trans athlete at all yeah in fact i read an article that said uh jaya had not even fully transitioned to using that name 
So Jaya was still going by their dead name in mm. some situations when that movie was made. And that he called her Jaya most of the time in the movie. Occasionally, he said the wrong name by mistake, but it was only because it was on the roster. They never mm. changed the roster to represent her new name. And so she in interviews has said, no, he didn't treat me like that at all. And in the movie, the character that Fassbender is playing uh, doesn't just dead name Jaya, also mm. asks some really fucked up questions about Jaya's genitalia, about what it's like to play on a on a on a uh, assigned male at birth team as someone you know who who is trans or well to be clear uh, you know the is the third gender in the Polynesian community the fafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafaf
fine for me. It made it kind of bad. To be fair, there is some humor that works. And like mm-hmm. these uh these cast of characters, like the the uh actors that with TD works with, I just want to see them in everything. Like they're so yeah. charming. They're you so know? good. Yeah. And th- my concern that other people might have is like, well, obviously not all these people are from American Samoa. Is that okay? So I did look it up and the American Samoan players that they talked to were of the opinion that like Polynesians you know, if they're playing each other on the on the on the field, they're rivals. But it, culturally, they just were like, "Nah, it's like we're family. It's fine." You know, like they were not offended at the idea that some of the characters were actually Maori or other mm-hmm. Polynesian uh, groups. They that didn't bum them out at all. You know, plus it gave us an opportunity to see the uh, American Samoan war dance, which is not the same. Like I kept saying, people call it the haka. The haka mm-hmm. is just for the Maori. That's yeah. that's their thing. Uh, not all of them, but a lot of Polynesian cultures have war dances. This is the American Samoa one. I think it's actually the same in Samoa Samoa as well, which by the way, one of my favorite jokes in the movie is when the guy says, uh, we're different than Samoa, an island filled with elitist jerks. (laughs) 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 Just in the idea that like, oh, they think they're the real Samoa, you know, whatever. I thought that was very funny. So funny. But I got to say, like, I don't know how you felt and I'll kick it to you. I've talked too much, but I didn't know that this was also as funny as some of his other movies, which I was surprised at because it felt like it should be like hilarious. And I didn't uh, find it quite as funny as say a hunt for the wilder people or what we do in the shadows, you know? Well, I mean like that's the thing though, right? Like this is definitely for me a case of representation mattering. That's true. That is true. And as much as seeing a movie with just Polynesian people in it and one white dude, like, yo man, I've waited my whole life for that. Sure. Yes. I've waited my whole, I mean, I know I'm Filipino, I'm not Polynesian or anything like this, but, you know, like, just seeing people, large people that are brown, all doing sports yeah. in a movie. Okay. Are you I, fucking kidding me? Like, dude, it was enough to make me cry just seeing it. I do love that. That is you true. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I will say, though, was it a little weird watching the documentary and realizing that none of the soccer players were fat? Well, the weirdest thing about it is all of the real Samoan people that I know are way bigger than the big guys in this movie. That's true. That's true. So, I mean, but it I don't is, know. But it, it was a little weird to me. There are multiple jokes in the fictional film about weight. And then when we see the actual soccer players, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, not, like, they're all in shape. Every single one yeah. of them is in shape. So that uh, was a little weird. But A little weird. But again, the whole thing is weird because every Samoan I've met is like Ivo Tomas, but like two feet taller. You know right. what I mean? Giant. Like, giant humans. huge tattooed people right like gigantic tattooed men you know and like me and Melani go to hawaii enough that we and you know i still have family and relatives there that whenever we're around like they have simone friends and like these dudes are gigantic right huge and, and this both in the movie and on the soccer team these <laughs> yeah. are not giant people which i was very surprised at also the part of the documentary that i really loved that i wish was in the fiction film was them recruiting Americans who are yeah. American Samoan. Part that was Samoan. actually that was actually great, you know. And yeah. it, it was clearly meaningful for those people. They weren't ringers. They were people no. who were like, "Oh, you're going to pay for me to go to, back to American Samoa or go there for the first time? That's yeah. amazing. I want to go." You know, like or go was where like my grandfather is from. Yeah, you know I mean? like that shit is so cool. You that know, that was moving for me. I I think that's the difference for me too, Josh. Is that I found the documentary a lot more emotionally compelling than the movie though. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say the movie is 
than the the fictional film. I wouldn't say it's lacking in emotions for me. Like I felt things, but the mm. documentary felt powerful to me in, in a way that yeah. this. And I still don't understand. Like Jaya's story is so compelling. It's so hard to imagine being in her position and making the decision to play on this team, making the decision to stick it out and to not be afraid. And I get that in the documentary, it's a less dramatic than it is in the movie, but the movie really doesn't make her story the primary story. And I don't know why, because I just find that more compelling yeah. than this coach story, especially knowing the coach story is mostly made up. Fabricated. It's just not real. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. And again, it's it. funny because like the whole Fassbender thing, I realize now talking to you about it that like, you know, um, my brain must have just been like detonated by the fact that it's an indigenous story about brown people that look like me. Right. You know what I mean? Like I recognize. And it's clear that they're charming. At no point is the movie yeah. like, look at these crazy fucking Samoans. The whole movie's like, look at this Fassbender dude. He sucks. Like yeah. his character is supposed to suck. And great but he just is not that strong in that role man i just well, I mean, there's got to be someone who could do that he's playing against type right like he's not yes, known yes. for his comedic sensibility you know this all. is right. in no uncertain terms this movie is a dramatic comedy that's not a it's not a it's not a not funny movie it's meant to be funny you know what i mean like there's meant to be like funny bits in this movie and uh i i applaud him for trying it I mean, you got to give it a shot, right? It's you true. know, no, you no, gotta, no, no. So I, it's 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 not a it's not a knock on him per se. It's just it's not a solid role for him, and I was excited to see him in it, and I just think he isn't able to make it work. And instead of spending so much time with him, let's spend more time with the team. Like the team, yeah, every yeah, good yeah, thing yeah. about the movie is the team. They are funny. They are fun. I get that. I mean, here's the thing that he that that I read uh, Taika Waititi say that I get the vibe from the few interviews I've read with the team uh, that Polynesian folks and it's probably not everybody, but in their view, that the humor is kind of self-deprecating. So the movie makes fun of them, but it makes fun of them in a way that's like good natured and positive. And yeah. it, as soon as there is a white guy to bounce off of, he's the monster. Like at no point is the movie like, yeah, it's crazy here. These people are crazy. The movie's very much like you're a fish out of water and the water's fine. So you should get in the yeah. fucking water, buddy. And so like, I applaud that aspect of it, but let's spend more time with the team. I just didn't find this Rundgren character who is nothing like the coach in real life <laughs> compelling. And then I watched a documentary and I'm already ready to not like this guy. And like, he's annoying. Don't get me wrong. Like he's not easy to get along with dude, but like, he's not the guy that Fastbender was. He's just a little abrasive, right? He's yeah. a coach. He yells at his players. He learns over time that yelling at them is not as effective as being encouraging but he's just a coach. He's not like cruel and he's not offended. The only part in the documentary where you get the feeling that he doesn't understand the culture is the religion thing, which isn't yeah. really about him being white. It's about him being uh, a Dutch. certain a certain kind of Dutch where he's like, yeah. you guys believe in religion? What? Like he's so <laughs> bummed out at the idea that they don't want to practice on Sunday. It like deeply offends <laughs> him, which is like, again, that's because most of Europe replaced the church with soccer anyway, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do think it's funny that they didn't mention in the movie that he was Dutch. It never comes up, right? He's just yeah. weird. So he's like a weird whitey. Yeah. Which, again, go ahead, dog. But, like, you're going to spend all this time with this guy and not mention that he's Dutch? Oh, and to be fair, the other thing I do want to say, the humor that does work as well is all the times of the movie, it's very 
disparaging towards white people, you know, me and Josh are on board for that. Like that works. <laughs> yeah. None of it is mean spirited, but it, it they have some really solid jokes about the white folks in the movie, which is great. Uh, but man, it just didn't land for me. And then the documentary, which I, not that I thought it would be bad, but I wasn't expecting it to hit so much harder. Yeah. It hits so hard, dude. It's really good. And it's really compelling. And the, the, the thing, Jaya, I keep talking about Jaya and she is very compelling, but also, Let's spend more time with Nick, man. Yeah. The, 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 just fill you guys in. Nikki Salapu, yeah. Yeah, Nikki Salapu, who is the goalie who gave away 31 points, which, to be fair, it's easy to give away 31 points when the rest of your team is so bad that the whole game you're just being shot on. <laughs> All he does is get shot on the whole game. So, like, 31 points is a lot, but whatever. He plays in the game in 2014. So that's 14 years later. He's able to come back join the national team and play in the game where not only did they score a point, they fucking win. And he has some amazing saves, like truly killer saves in the movie and I are yeah. in, in, in the, the game. documentary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I just was like, fuck man. Like we should know more about him in the fictional film. He's so compelling. Yeah. And in the yeah, fictional yeah, yeah. film, he's just sort of like, it's just a little bit of a joke. It's not like a big, it's focus. more of like a redemption arc. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they don't really go into it, but it's like for real, in the documentary, you realize, like, yo, this man was going against some demons. Like, he was yeah, fighting man. hard, yeah. you know? Like, I don't know. But that said, again, like, I can't get over the fact, Liam, that when I saw it, I was willing to overlook all of these knocks. Because it just meant a lot to see this shit. No, you know I hear I mean? you. Like, I mean, I dude, think that's how I'm going to feel when I finally watch Blue Beetle. Yeah. Like, Blue Beetle is so, like, yo, Latin, Latin, Latin folks forever. You know what I mean? Like, it's so, like... Hey man, uh, are, are you are you Latino in America? This movie's for you. That like <laughs> I think I might like it for that reason, right? Yeah. Even it's, though it's probably not very good. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it, it is what hands. it is. Yeah, what are you gonna do? I don't know. Um, as far as this movie goes, though, I definitely. I mean, here's the other thing that I've really found charming about sure. this movie. Yeah. Um, you know, as a person who does travel to Hawaii and do, does feel a connection to that kind of life, like Molokai and, you know, just what it feels like to be like isolated on a par- paradise like island, right? Like the whole like mantra of American Samoa is very true to that island life. You know what I mean? Like where everyone has like a bunch of jobs and there's never enough opportunity and money and everyone's trying yeah. to get off of the yeah. island, but everybody also recognizes that this island and its pace is a slow magic. And this movie really does capture that feeling. I was telling you before, one of my favorite t-shirts that I ever saw when I was in Hawaii was a simple one. It just said, if can, can. If no can, no can. And that's exactly how I felt about this movie. Like, that was totally how this movie felt like to me. You know what I mean? Like, can, can. If no can, no can. It's so good and it's so simple and it's told with such respect to the place that I didn't feel like it was punching down on the American. No, 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 no. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't think that was the goal at all. I think it was very respectful to the culture. I just think it lost the thread. And I, and I think that if it had spent more time with the players, then Mm -hmm. the trick it does of saying, Oh, you guys think that this fastbender character is going to save them. But he's not going to save them. He actually sucks. And it's they're the one. They just needed the confidence to move forward. That's all. That's mm. great. That's a great trick. But we don't spend enough time with the players 
to get that yeah, like, notion. It, really. Yeah, instead it's like, oh, I get it. He needed to go help these guys win a game so that he could be more healthy. Fuck the mm. team. That doesn't matter. It's like, no, that does. We should know. We should know all their names. We should know about how they ended up on the team. You know what I mean? Like, I just wanted more de- more time with the players. Yeah. We spent so much time with Fastbender, and I just think it's the it's not the most compelling part of the movie to me. I wouldn't say it's the least. I, I'm glad we get some time with that character, but it just didn't, it didn't work for me. But the setup, like before he shows up, all the setup of where we're, where we are and what life there is like magical. It's yeah. so good. It's so it's funny. I do also think it would have benefited the story to go into the Fafaine like part. 100%. Of the story. Yes. Cause like, that's a really interesting part of Polynesian culture. You know what I mean? One of my cousins explained it to me and I don't know, like, you'll have to forgive me if this is like factually incorrect, but the way it was explained to me was that in a lot of like Samoan and like Polynesian culture, like there's a family, sometimes when there isn't any females born to that family, the last male child is raised as a female and that's how the Fafaine like become who they are. So it's not like, I'm not even sure how it works. I just know that that one of my cousins explained it to me in this manner. So, I, I mean, shame on me for not having fact-checked before recording, but I'm just saying. <laughs> like, Well, and in the movie, the the uh, Jaya uses the term two-spirited too, which yeah. uh, I, you know, I don't know if that exact terminology is in Polynesia, but I know there are indigenous cultures that yeah. believe in a two-spirited third gender. gender. That is, you have yeah. the spirit of of uh men and women you know and mm. what one thing the movie does that the documentary didn't get to spend as much time in is also highlight that uh Jaya is she has to navigate two different worlds because on American Samoa uh being Fafafina is like it's its own thing it me- it matters it's it has an impact and then she goes to school in Hawaii. And in Hawaii, it's not the same thing, right? Like, it's not the There's same There's a experience. different term for it. I forget what the term yeah. is in Hawaiian culture. And in the movie, she sort of suggests that it's it's more like she's trans, which is not what she, It's not to say that she's not trans, but it's not... It doesn't have the cultural weight that it has on American Samoa because, you know, Hawaii's a little bit more No, it American. does. It's called the Mahu. She, but her experience in both movies, she said that she experiences prejudice at college that she doesn't at home. Mm, yeah, yeah, okay, that's true. That's so true. I think that's, I think that that is, I mean, because this is the thing. I think you're right about indigenous Hawaiian culture. I think if people think going to Hawaii means interacting with indigenous Hawaiian culture the way you would on American Samoa, it's a little different because a lot yeah. of Hawaii is just America with some Hawaiian ingredients, which is, by the way, a bummer and why yeah. there are still Hawaiians who don't acknowledge the American government. Well, yeah, because, but that's, that's the know, beauty of Molokai, baby. If you 100, go out there, 100%. Yo, go to Molokai, man. You'll get the true Hawaiian experience. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. Over but I think, I think that's what she's saying in the, in the, in the movie is like, not that Hawaiians, i.e. native Hawaiians don't accept her, but when she's at the college, it's more like she's in America. Whereas yeah. American Samoa, you get the feeling that like, there's not a big transplant community there. No, that most people lot, it's pretty who live there, still, yeah, 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 are are from that island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. I do want to go there. <laughs> I do want to check out Samoa and American Samoa, just because you know. Yeah, I love I love that part of the I, world, man. I would like to see all those those uh, Southern Pacific islands, that whole sort of community. Um, it's all very interesting to me, and the fact that. As someone who is from an island that doesn't exist, right? Like mm. Puerto Rico 
is has no official category. It's not a nation. It's not a state. It's just mm. a territory, which uh, in international law means it basically doesn't exist. That's that's American Samoa too. That we are yeah. we are under the the jurisdiction of America without any of the protections and representation. That's a bummer. I'd like to visit some of the other places that are like that because I've been to Puerto Rico and I know what that <laughs> means for for my island and uh, I'd like to see what it means for other places too. So, anyways, I don't think people should avoid uh, the the new movie Next Goal Wins, uh, but I I didn't I didn't like it as much as I wanted to. I do think Next Goal Wins the documentary though is a must see uh, yeah, unless 100%. You, unless you hate sports so much that even seeing any sports bums you out. You got to watch Next Goal Wins. It's charming. It's interesting. It's emotional. And then after you watch the documentary, if you're still interested, I think a lot of the movie is fun. But it don't don't expect it to be exactly what you got in the documentary. It's it's definitely different. It's a different experience. Yeah, there's definitely fabricated things, and there are very obvious winks by Taika to the actual camera, yes. where he's just like, "Well, you know, it's mostly true." And you know, okay, I, I'll give you that. You know what I mean? Like you're doing I mean, the camping. S- some of the changes I think are great. The, I just don't understand why we have to make the movie about all these problems the coach had that he didn't have in real life. That's yeah. the one decision I don't get. The other stuff is like. It's fine. I get it. It's got to be its own thing, but it's funny. The I did read an interview with the real life Jaya about the movie, and it's funny how she can't refer to the characters in the movie as the people she knows in real life because they're so different. So she just referred to all the characters of the movie by the names of the actors, not by the character <laughs> names, because she can't associate them with each other because they feel so different to her. I thought there was something interesting about that, you know? Yeah, but she also said the movie was pretty good. She kind of liked the movie. She just was like, "But you know, it's not what happened. But it's you know, it was fun." And I was like, "Okay, (laughs) that's fair. You know, I get that." Yeah, no, there you go, man. I don't know. I was into it. So again, as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Yeah, this is the shit." And then I thought about it. I was like, "Okay, well, wait a minute. Is it the shit?" And then I saw the doc, and I was like, "Yeah, the documentary is the shit." And um, but that said, I can't take away the joy that I felt when I definitely saw. True. True. Just a movie about brown skinned people from islands. Also, but, respect to American Samoa. They're still, you know, since 2014, have never been in last place. So good for them. <laughs> Sports, man. Fuck. They, I mean, they were in last place forever. And that's like <laughs> a that's a long list of last place teams. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, man, or of well, teams I mean, to be last place of. Yeah. It's got to suck to be Tongan to be the team yeah, that they beat. That's fair. I mean, that's, that's kind of a yeah. bummer, too. But, Although uh, hey, again, you know. but they were the only team that had never scored a goal though. So yeah. it's like, you know, not only they've not been in last place, they've, they regularly score goals now. So that's pretty good. <laughs> Way to go. Michael Fassbender. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> All right. I think that just about wraps it up. What do you yep. think, Liam? Is there anything yep. else you want to add to this? No, 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 no. I think we covered it, but, uh, uh, thank you for listening. Um, let us know what you think if you see either one of these movies and, uh, if you want to recommend other movies where, uh, lots of Brown people do lots of fun things, let us know <laughs> that should become a regular for us. It's just like, we got to work in another Brown movie because <laughs> we watch it too much European shit. Yeah. Too much Chinese stuff. Give me some more of that, that Brown stuff, you know, <laughs> but there you go. It's cool. It's all good. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. As always, rate, review, and subscribe as it's the currency that podcasters as such as we do appreciate. And um, again, thanks for uh, just telling a friend and being with us. We're very thankful for all of you who listen. And uh, we will catch you a little bit later on down the trail. Smoke bomb. <laughs>
Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love Horror Business, the horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Don. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great or maybe not great. Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products.